in neonative, neonatal intensive care units around the world, it has been medically proven that one of the best things that help premature babies grow and be able to go home from the hospital sooner is the power of human touch. Time after time, they have shown that the more a baby receives physical contact and care, the better they do, the more weight they gain, and the quicker they can go home to their loving families. They have volunteers with no medical training at all in the NICU, but their entire role is just to hold these children if their parents are unable or unwilling to do so, so that the child may go strong and healthy. The power of touch is something that we see Jesus use in almost every one of his miracles. He physically touches someone or they touch him, and they are healed. It's possible, but it's hard to be in a relationship with someone that you cannot be in their physical presence and actually touch them. And yet now, physical contact has become the enemy. It has become a weapon. It has become something to be greatly feared. I was listening to a commercial the other day, and they were so proud to tell you that your product, once made, would not be touched by any other human than you. Or actually, a different product touted that they offered what they called human-free delivery. And, and this is the line that actually got me. They said, no human contact required. Now, I understand, and I don't fault anyone for using this as a marketing strategy in this time, and honestly, I think it's a, quite a good thing that we can offer these services, but just the idea of no human contact required makes me feel not right in my soul. As humans, we are made to live as communal beings. We are made for human contact. We know this because beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is a trinity of persons. He is a communion of persons. And if we are made in the image and likeness of God, then we are also made to live and love in community. So to starve one of the community means to live not fully as we were made to. Now I understand there are those that live as hermits, but even these people live in communion with God and purposefully allow the pain of sequester in order that they may fully rely on his grace. Reading through the first reading, we have at least 19 references to a human sense or the flesh. Peter speaks and tells them to hear and to discover with their hearts and says that King David saw Christ before his time and that everyone should see and hear the truth of his words. Such a powerful reminder that the gospel is not something foreign to us, but the gospel is something that lives in us and moves in us. And in the gospel, we find our true being. There was no human contact required in the plan of salvation either, but God chose to be intimately involved with us so that we wouldn't worship something unknown, but so that he would be wonderfully known and by being known, be loved by us. As humans, we rely on our senses to tell us about the world around us, 
Sight, smell, sound, taste, and feeling all work together to keep us safe and allow us to learn about the world in which we are a part of. But those senses will only get us so far when we want to know about God who created all of this that we interact with. Through natural law, we can see that creation exists. And because we can see, smell, feel, and taste it, we know God as a creator. But we cannot feel in our senses anything that lets us know that this creative God is also our Savior, just by interacting with creation. The only way that we can do that is through the contact that God has with humanity throughout the Old Testament in signs, and most specifically in the person of Jesus Christ, who came to earth and interacted with us and the world among us, showing himself to be perfect, still living in original justice with the world and others, devoid of original sin, due to his perfection, even in his humanity, he had control over the elements around him. We see this as he called the storm upon the, Ga- the Sea of Galilee to be still. We see this the way he multiplied food on multiple occasions. We see this when he chooses not to change stones into bread when the devil tempts him to do so. All of this goes to show that we do not have a God that is distant or one that could care less about what what goes on in our world. We have a God who desires to be intimately involved with us and our joys and also our sufferings. A God who, in the words of St. Paul in the second reading, did not even spare the precious blood of his own son, but did so so that we would see him raised from the dead, and that would produce faith and hope in us. Because human contact is important for our growth and our survival, God came down in the form of a human and had contact with us at a very specific moment in time. And that, that, that would have been enough, but he didn't stop there. Knowing that as humans we have the power of will and intellect as well as memory, it would have been more than enough to have come, died, resurrected, and then ascended back into heaven. But being fully human, he also knew the power of memory can fade. He promised to never leave us abandoned, and that he would be always with us. And it is through the power of the Eucharist that he keeps his promise. It is through that precious ability of the priest to confect the Eucharist which is the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, left for us that we hear the priest say the words of institution that confects the Eucharist. We hold him in our hands in worship. We consume him into our entire being. I have said this before in a homily, and I will probably say it many more times, but the only action more intimate than a husband and wife in the midst of the conjugal action of love is the reception of the Eucharist. We are marching towards the Feast of the Ascension, the time when Jesus was received back into heaven. But we do not look at this as him abandoning us, but rather that time that he took his rightful place 
at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us perpetually. And he did not leave us orphans. He continues to want to be a part of our lives spiritually and physically, both through the power of prayer and spiritual communion right now, and hopefully very soon through the power of prayer and the reception of the Eucharist. In this time of social distancing and isolation, and when no human contact is a thing we are proud of, we follow the rules while we should, so as to keep people safe. But the body of Christ is not meant to be a bunch of people worshiping separately, but rather unified in the Eucharist. And so we pray fervently for that day when we all might come back and worship together again in this church as one.